0: You're listening to Bow Down to Us, the Games Edition, a gaming podcast for people who want honest opinions by freaks with nothing better to do with their time. Here's Roger and his crew. Apparently
1: all he does is watch porn and play Xbox.
0: All right, so we're going to start then with the Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions, because that did come out um, this week. And you played it quite a bit, Joe, or just kind of skimmed over some of it? With Spider-Man, I played the hell out of that game. Okay, well, let's hear what you got to say about it then.
2: Uh, From a gameplay perspective, it was very interesting, because the way that it, it is is they actually break up the different styles of gameplay by character. So you have your intense action uh, through the ultimate Spider-Man, you have your high-flying aerial combat through the Spider-Man 2099, your stealth gameplay, very similar to how the stealth gameplay was in in Batman Arkham Asylum through the uh, noir Spider-Man, and the web-slinging action, the the high-impact web-slinging action and and special moves of the webs through the amazing Spider-Man. And the way they divided it out is you get Uh, enough of a taste of each now and this is not to say that those elements of the game don't exist in all the other sections but they're more emphasized so like you can play a stealth game a high flying action game uh and just a powerhouse action game in the amazing spider-man if you so choose but where it really excels is that you know sort of web control that you get and with the noir, uh, very also is the very same thing. It's it's you have the chance to be, you know, as much in combat as you want or use the webs as you want, because a lot of the abilities carry over between them, but then you get special cookies that you can upgrade your character for each specific one. Like with Spider-Man Noir. Um, You get special stealth abilities uh, Ways to get in and out of combat Without being noticed Um, With the amazing Spider-Man You get different web abilities Like picking up chunks of the ground And smashing it into an enemy With your webbing Um, Spider-Man 29 to 9 You have aerial combat Where you never touch the ground And you have all these little These flavor cookies That each individual side gets Um, The gameplay also goes very smoothly From one section to another Now everything's broken up Very much like the episode of a comic book uh, or issues of a comic book with the episodes of a cartoon show. Um, there's a, a sort of an, a narration between it. Uh, you hear constant narration from Madam M. Um, or, I'm sorry, Madam Webb, excuse me. Um, and she constantly tells you, you know, little, little things and tips like, you know, she's in your head psychically. Uh, and in between, you get little story tidbits. Now, one of the other cool things about it is each individual Spider-Man has iconic villains for it like the first villain you face as the amazing spider-man which is the first chapter is craven you get Basically, you're going after one of the fragments of the Tablets of Order. You're trying to break into Kraven's place. so You don't realize it's Kraven's place until it's too late. You get gassed, you wake up, and you're in his little jungle haven. So he challenges you to the hunter-sportsman thing type thing that he always does. Very classic Spider-Man moment. And your job is to take now not only him, but all of the hunters that he's training. And the gameplay is literally flying from all these different places and uh, jumping out of the way of sniper bullets and things like that. It's amazing. Like it really is amazing and immersive because you really do feel like you are the amazing Spider-Man you are faith. There is classic banter and Neil Patrick Harris really brings the character home with all of his, his quips and quick witted comments and they don't loop. And that's something that you, you don't see very often. The voicing of all the characters is so extensive and there's so much written for him that it's absolutely mind blowing because you would expect to hear certain things repeated over and over again. I have yet, absolutely yet to see any of the comments repeat themselves, which is awesome because that just it doesn't break that immersiveness. It doesn't break the fourth wall and say, yeah, you're still playing a game. It's I'm interacting with a story. This is something Spider-Man would say. This is a quip that Spider-Man would reply with. Um and it's just absolutely stupendously amazing. All the other voice actors for all the other ones are Keon as well. You get your dark, brooding, sort of almost Batman-ish voice for the, for the Spider-Man Noir. You get your young, uh, idealistic and angry, teenage angsty voice, sort of, for the uh, for the ultimate Spider-Man. And Spider-Man 2099, absolutely phenomenal voice acting because you have the cool, controlled uh, realism that this world sucks and I'm trying to fix it type of voice acting. And... It just flows incredibly well. It's very, very seldom that I feel a game is worth every penny that you pay, you pay for it. Gameplay experience alone, this game is worth every single penny. This game is worth every playthrough that you go through. You're going to want to play through it multiple times. It's just a phenomenal job. They, they did a great job. And I dare say that this is, this, this is the Arkham Asylum of 2010. That's hmm. pretty heavy praise. I mean, everything from the art style, too. I mean, like you have your heavy cell shaded artwork as well for like the ultimate Spider-Man. You have your realistic ish CG for the 2099 with the shimmers and the holographic imagery and things like that, which really sell the environment. You have your dark shadows and and, and pinpoints of light with the muted colors and small specks of coloration, uh, a la like Sin City and the Spirit um, with, you know, Uh, Spider-Man Noir, and Amazing Spider-Man is this vibrant, cell-shaded environment that just you can't help but just get sucked into. It really is probably one of the best games I've played this year.
0: And in terms of gameplay, in terms of maneuverability of the character and everything, how is that?
2: The only thing that I've seen there'd be a problem with as far as maneuverability was wall crawling when going from a wall to a ceiling. It gets a little weird because the controls flip on you, but every Spider-Man game I've ever played has been like that. Uh, other than that, the controls are tight, very responsive, uh, changing directions in mid-web mid sling, very easy. Uh, you want to slingshot yourself into an immediate web sling and do a, a zipline attack on an enemy, you can do it perfectly you know perfectly easy no glitching and it's natural too like it's it's i know it's a weird thing to say but the button combinations are very natural to the way your hands rest on the controller so when you're using those different those different buttons to do different things you're not doing weird button combinations that force your hand to cramp and hurt It's you're doing high flying aerial maneuvers or fantastic combat sequences or fantastic maneuvering with slight you know slight twitches slight you know flick of the wrist you know little button pushes things like that and that really sells it too is the ease of use because you know everybody will say that batman arkham asylum one of the big selling points was the controls weren't overly complicated you could do all the classic batman maneuvers you can walk into a combat and feel like batman without having to worry about up up down down left right left right ba uppercut select start kick you know, throw the controller at the wall and hope it hits. It's literally, you press a few buttons, you follow the combinations, like there's very simple combinations, like pressing X three times followed by Y, and you get stupendous visuals that are iconic to the character. You get Spider-Man's, in this case, you get his, you know, three three punches three quick jabs followed by the spider-man uppercut followed by the mid-air kick followed by the webbing of the person back into you to keep hitting them into slamming the person in the ground you have the zipline attack where you just go straight into somebody and you can bounce off them change directions in mid-zipline and attack somebody else you can completely juke the ai depending on how you are and a lot of the the combat like the comp- the combat may sound simplistic but it's it's really not the ai does learn the ai does react to you appropriately there are there are villains that you try to zip line into and they will just fuck your shit up you know there are ones that you have to sit there you have to flip over their head you have to throw pots at them you have to do they'll throw other villains into them in order to break their concentration and get in there for the quick jabs before you duck out also one of the coolest things i th- think about the game was the dodging system spider-man whenever he fights one of the cool things that he's done in both movies video games comic books is not attack it's actually dodge Look at some of the look at some of the, the comics where he's fighting the Hulk and he just dodges out of the side or or dips under his his punch when he's fighting Wolverine and he sits there and does the exact same thing. These are iconic moments. And the game lets you very easily do this. Very easily sit there and matrix all these punches, uh, but without making it feel like it's overly simplified because if you don't do it right, you, you still get hit, but it's not incredibly difficult to pull off. So it, it's a nice balance between hard and robust, and it's I mean, it's just, it's damn near perfect. Cool.
0: Okay. Excellent. So from Spider-Man, now let's go to BioWare with some of the information that was released for Mass Effect. And actually, Vince, I'm going to let you take this one.
1: Yeah, this was really cool. Uh, For anybody who's played Mass Effect 2, if you look in your options menu, there is an option where you can submit your player data to BioWare. And last week, they released a lot of this data that they have gathered to the public. And there was some really interesting stuff in there. I mean, stuff that we kind of could figure out for our own, that the most played class was the soldier. The least played class was the engineer. Although I found it quite surprising that they said that the soldier was the most played by such a huge margin. It was played more than any other class combined. That means over 50% of the playthroughs were done as soldier. I found that to be very interesting. Uh, One thing that really kind of threw me off was that they said only a slightly over 50% of the people who played the game finished it. That That's a lot of people that didn't finish Mass Effect 2, especially when you consider the next stat, which said that 50% of the people that played the game imported it. Now, you know, a cursory glance at that makes me th- think that a lot of people who didn't play the first Mass Effect played the second one and never finished it, which I, that kind of bo- bothers me. I know a lot of people who played the second one and didn't play the first one and absolutely loved it.
0: Yeah, I find it odd as well that they they wouldn't have finished it. The soldier thing to me makes a little bit more sense simply because it's the one that you get by default
2: if you don't change anything. It's also anything. the easiest. It's so, also the easiest class to learn out of all of them. I think.
1: So oh yeah, that it, doesn't do it. it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. It was the most. It just surprises me that the huge majority. Well. I mean, if you think about it, it's it's not really that
2: different from how many people played a warrior when they first played WoW. Um, it's the class that your character defaults to if your character can do it, uh, and it's one of the most straightforward. Hit things with a stick. Soldiers, just shoot things with a gun. You don't have to worry about special powers. You don't have to worry about, you know, different tactics aside from, like, you know, pulling somebody up with all these fantastic powers. It's, I have a gun. I'm going to shoot you with it. That's the end of it. So, I mean, that very straightforward approach. It also makes sense for the time frame too. look at some of the other top selling games right around now. We're talking about modern warfare as an example in games like that, where it's very first person shooter oriented, very soldier oriented. It's a very logical choice that most people who play this game are going to see soldier military. I'm going to take it.
1: Well, all right. And there were a couple that really jumped out at me. For example, somebody played this game for 66 hours. What the hell is there to do in this game for 66 hours? Did they sit there and freaking prospect every single planet in the galaxy? It Takes you a while to do one, so. (laughs) I mean, my playthrough where I did everything, like I did every side quest I could find, even including all the downloadable content, I came to maybe 40 hours. 66 hours is just ludicrous. And then there were people who finished the game 28 times that's getting your money's worth <laughs> well actually that was rick played a crap
0: load of times that's something that he talked about as well um he played a lot i've only played it twice
1: and i still haven't finished on
0: my second playthrough
1: i did twice and started a third but i can't imagine playing uh, no matter how variable the game is 28 times is a lot of times to play one game yeah but the, the important thing is that bioware is using these statistics you know, they're not just saying, oh, hey, here's some fun numbers. Go for it. They're, they're looking and, you know, they see that, OK, the the soldier was such an overwhelming majority of the choice. And now they're trying to figure out why, you know, what appealed to the soldier so much like Joe was talking about and why, you know, nobody liked the engineer because it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and and trying to implement some factors that drew people to the soldier class into some of the other classes to make them more appealing. Or another stat they pointed out was that 15% of the dialogue in the game was skipped. And they they even broke it down further saying it it was very little actual story dialect. It was, you know, talking to the guy at the gate and, you know, stupid stuff like that. But they really look at the conversations that are being skipped and then that helps them develop the next game, you know, looking at it and seeing, okay, you know, maybe we can do without this conversation here or, you know, players really liked this type of conversation. Nobody skipped when they were talking to... I don't know, grunt or whatever. So, you know, we need more dialogue like that in the game and less of the stupid, you know, stuff that nobody cares about. So I think it's really cool that they're analyzing how their players are playing their game and then theoretically improving upon it to make the next game even that much more appealing.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, so from stats to actual gameplay now,
0: let's talk a little bit about Shadow Broker that just came out. This was a big week for Bioware. Uh, a fantastic and a disappointing week for Bioware, but we'll get to the disappointment later <laughs> on in the show. And it's going to hang on until Into the Lore podcast as well. But let's talk about the good, and we'll talk about Shadow Broker. And since, Vince, you're the only one that's actually played it so far, I'll let you take over. I actually I bought it, but I haven't had a chance to actually play it yet.
1: Oh, yeah. I absolutely loved Lair of the Shadow Broker. Uh, the, the The description I gave it was that it's the summer blockbuster of video games. It's this small little compact story that's just mind-blowing in every single aspect. It's got you know great drama. It's got cool characters. It's got huge action, spectacle after spectacle, phenomenal visuals. It's just so much fun. So... For a brief description of Lair of the Shadow Broker, we get some information from Cerberus that they say, hey, your your old friend Liara, she might like this. So we go back to Liara on Ilium and it ties in. I don't want to get too much into the story because we're going to touch on that later. But it ties into the Mass Effect Redemption comics and it sends Shepard on a quest after the Shadow Broker along with Liara. That was really cool that Liara joins your squad for almost the entirety of this DLC. Unfortunately, she doesn't stick around after the downloadable content. I, I thought that was, you know, one small little thing that could have put this even o- more over the top. I would have liked to ha- have had the option to continue playing with Liara if I had wanted to. But it's cool. You get to have one of your old Mass Effect 1 squad members other than Garrus and Tali with you in this game. Uh, we go after the shadow broker uh he sends assassins after you there's some really cool fights uh there's a mini boss battle that that was pretty fun uh you get the normal uh, mercenaries that the shadow broker is sending after you it it seemed to me like they upped the difficulty a bit the mercenaries seemed to take a little longer to put down like they had a, a little more uh power to their weapons and they also had some new skills they saw uh i several of them through the flash brain grenade that was uh, the Kasari's uh, exclusive ability. So they, they took stuff from previous downloadable contents and actually melded them into this one, which I thought was really cool. Uh, we get some new gameplay elements. At one point, you go on a sky flying car chase straight out of a summer blockbuster movie. You know, what action piece would be complete without a high speed chase? But this is Mass Effect and the thing still controls like crap. (laughs) As you're driving, Liara actually makes a comment like, oh, this is better than the Mako. Eh, Not much. (laughs) (laughs) Still, it's fun. You know, you're dodging between traffic, you know, weaving, exploding trucks. Shepard asks what kind of guns the taxi cab has. It's just so much fun. And then you finally go after the Shadow Broker himself. This was just amazing. The Shadow Broker has his, you know, top secret ship... And you have to infiltrate it from the outside, and the ship is hidden by this huge lightning storm. So a huge section of combat, I'd say a good 15, 20 minutes, takes place on the exterior of the ship. With these lightning bolts going off everywhere, there's these capacitors that'll store up the energy. You can shoot them and explode the energy everywhere, stun your enemies, stun yourself if you're an idiot like I am, or Jack with her stupid shotgun. But there are points where I'm fighting, and I just stop and I look, and there's this beautiful sky with, you know, obviously the storm clouds and the lightning and just craziness. And there are so many points where I just stopped and looked at how amazing this game is. I graphically, it 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 was one of the best games of the year so far. And they, they just again, they've taken everything before and cranked it up to the next notch. So we have these great Battle on the outside of the Shadow Broker ship. We finally get inside. We see probably one of the most unique boss battles we've experienced. Uh, Again, I don't want to spoil too much, at least on the games podcast. We'll probably get into that a little more in depth on the lore side of it. But the Shadow Broker is really cool. You finally get to see the guy. One of the most unique character designs BioWare has come up with for this universe. And it was just tons of fun. I got a solid two hours of gameplay out of my 10 bucks. Yeah, not that great of a ratio, but pretty good for downloadable content standards, and then there is so much afterwards. I spent a good hour afterwards just spending time with the Shadow Brokers files that I gained access to afterwards.
0: Yeah, see, I, I cannot wait to play that one actually, especially after the disappointment of Witch Hunt. I cannot wait for something real. Yeah. 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 Well, we're not going to go too much more into this because we are going to talk about it in a little bit in the lore edition and actually what we'll also do is we'll touch more on the uh, the crossover with the comic book which I think is actually one of the most interesting interesting things about this, for anybody who's read that comic book tie-in, this is fantastic. So we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. So moving on from there, we got a little bit of interesting news from uh, Blizzard as well, where they wrote about how your health is going to regen in Diablo 3. I actually wrote about this for the site. Oh, and by the way, if you guys want to read the review for Shadow Broker that Vince wrote, I'm showing it on the screen for folks live who are listening, uh, make sure to head to the site again, Biodowntowns.com, and there's a fantastic review of um, Lara the Shadow Broker, and I wrote one for Witch Hunt as well, so you can read those if you want. But anyways, back to Diablo 3. This isn't really anything new based on what we saw from the videos. However, we did find out that... You're not going to be able to be popping potions like you did in D2. I mean, D2, you could go for a mephron, stock up on potions, and then not have to really worry about your health. Just keep popping potions all the time. Potions in D3 are going to be on a cooldown, and they're going to be very rare some classes are going to have the ability to um, heal, but even that's going to be a specialization and it's going to, in their words, incur consequences. So I'm thinking again, a heal might weaken you for a while or might take a long time, who knows. It's interesting because the way they're talking about it, again, whenever you kill someone, a mob, there's going to be a chance that a an orb a blood orb is left that you can then use that to top up a little bit of your health and then the more rare the mob and the harder hitting the mob is essentially the more you can get from them but then for boss battles what they're doing is they're they're putting specialized mechanics in each of the boss fights so that um either partway through the boss will spawn minions that you then have to make the choice of either staying on the boss, depending on your health, or attacking the minions and killing them to get the lesser orbs from them. Or as the boss takes damage, he'll drop some some orbs. Or there could be some orbs that are around the lair or wherever the, the boss happens to be that you then have to find. I think it's actually much better than d2 potions i'm really not a fan of d2's thing and i also like that this is going to basically keep the action going you're going to heal yourself by continuing to fight i don't know what do you guys think
2: i don't like it i the, the reason i don't like it is because it seems like an overcomplication of uh, over of the game i mean uh, See, i understand I- what they're trying to do I understand what they're what they're trying to go for with it but at the same point it just sometimes you don't want to have to worry that much about it you just want to go and hack and slash which is one of the beautiful things about Diablo 2 and even with potions there were classes that had a difficult time with health uh, I mean the assassin as an example when you got hit you got hit you know um, and it hurt It was it was a you know cause and effect but now it's, it just seems like it's an overcomplication of a system that didn't really need to be fixed it was there, the old adage if it ain't broke don't fix it um, I'm not a fan of it I would like to get my hands on it so I can play with it a little bit so I can play with it a little bit and make my uh, uh, basically make my own judgment on it but from what it sounds like it just sounds like way too complicated for what it does
1: well I, I don't think it's perfect either but I hated potions. I Potions just made the game so simple. Uh, you just go in there, wade through combat. Oh, low on health, one. Oh, low on health, one. It it took so much of the actual gameplay out of the game. Like, yeah, if you were a, a lower defensive class, you got hit, you know, it meant more. But honestly, all you had to do was run back to town and, oh, everything's better. Need more potions, done. Okay, one, one, one. I win the game. So putting a more active type of uh health regeneration in the game i understand again i i'm not terribly crazy about the the orbs either i think there's other ways they could have gone about it but I, I like it better than the potions at least see i don't find that it's making anything over complicated overly complicated so
0: much as actually making it more simple in many regards all it's going to do though is make your boss fight actually make you pay attention to your your health whereas again and i played an assassin actually my main class for the longest time was an assassin and so i know all about being squishy but all you had to do was carry a lot of potions And literally, that's all you did was spam your potions. So, and I mean, I used to use her for all all my runs, my boss runs. So, and I'm really hoping they bring the assassin back too, as an aside, (laughs) because I love that class. (laughs) Um, Because I don't think the monk's going to be the same thing. I want my assassin. Uh, But anyways, no, I I much prefer this. I I think that what's going to happen is that through your normal grinding, you're barely going to pay attention to your health because you'll just be getting orbs from everybody and then through the boss fight all it'll do is it'll change the mechanics in the game and then if you need a potion you'll have that ability to have one say per fight or whatever however they decide to do it but as a whole i think that it's going to make the game much faster to play so your dungeon crawler now becomes something that is fast and fun and not you know not wasting time with potions
2: until you get to that boss.
0: And then it just makes it a little bit not more complicated so much as strategic, I think is the word that we I would use. But we'll have to see again as we uh, as, as we get more information about it. So from there, let's talk about a Wii game that's coming out, of all things. We haven't talked about a Wii. Well, we did talk about, I guess, Epic Mickey. Epic Mickey. But other than that, there's not much we ever talk about with the Wii. So, Vince, I'll let you take this.
1: Yeah, not not only are we talking about a Wii game, but I'm talking about a Wii game. And every time we've talked about a Wii game, I've gone, yeah, whatever, it's for the frickin' Wii. But this is a Wii game that I've played previously on PC. It's called Machinarium. 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 Whatever. I'm going to go with Machinarium. Sounds better. Machinarium. See, yeah. that's why okay. I let
0: you introduce this, because I couldn't do
1: it. <laughs> You'll hear in the outtakes. So with Machinarium, it was straight-up old school point and click adventure game. Nothing, you know, no bells and whistles, no boss battles, nothing complicated. Puzzle. Here's a puzzle. Solve it. And it was developed by a company called Emanita Designs. I, I forget. I think they're Czech off the top of my head, but they're somewhere over in Europe. And it was just beautiful. It was originally a $20 game. And they had one of those things where, oh, everybody pirated the game, so they decided to sell it for $5 instead of $20. I got jumped on that $5 sale. I told everybody on Twitter and AIM that was online at the time, I'm like, play this game right now. It's great. And it just had such a beautiful world. It's this cool little steampunk land that they've set up with, you know, so sentient robots. and it just so much cool stuff that nerds love and beautiful like almost hand-painted backgrounds it, it was just a very charming game it nothing again I, I love those old school adventure games i own almost everything lucasarts had ever made so i found this game to be very 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 worth my five dollars at least so they decided you have something to say no go ahead i'll okay. wait till you're done all right so Amanita Designs decided to try and bring it to consoles. They had first uh, shopped it to Microsoft, but Microsoft has a policy of if you want a game on Xbox Live Arcade, it has to be done through an official publisher, a Microsoft-recognized publisher. And Amanita doesn't have a publisher. So, like, hey, Microsoft, you should publish our game. Microsoft, for Xbox Live Arcade purposes, will not publish a game that is available on any other system, including PC. We've seen them do some official games, you know, like the first Mass Effect that were available on PC as well. But for the arcade, they will not have it anywhere else. If it's a Microsoft game on Xbox Live Arcade, it's only available on Xbox Live Arcade. So they decided to take their little game and shop it to Sony and Nintendo, who didn't have that same problem. If you're an independent developer and you want your game on their console, pff, go for it. As long as it passes their testing processes, they're fine with it. So now we see it coming to the Nintendo Wii, And believe it or not, I think the Wii is the perfect console for this game. A point-and-click adventure game isn't that much fun with, you know, a D-pad. But I think it would work really well with the Wii Remote. So we're going to see this one coming to the WiiWare system. I I, I don't think they mentioned a price yet. It's being ported over by another studio called XGen Studios. And I just really recommend the game. For anybody that didn't try it out on PC... I highly recommend it on the Wii.
0: And actually, it's available for the Mac as well. I actually have the Mac version, and I got it for free. They had a promotion thing wherein um, one of the Mac gaming sites that distributes uh, digital copies had a thing where if you registered with them for a week or two, they had specials. And one of the days, if you registered with them, you didn't even have to buy anything, just register. You got this game for free. So I've literally had it on my Mac here but i haven't had a chance to play it but i've really wanted to and i'm thinking this is going to be the push to actually sit down and play through it how long did it take for you to finish it
1: um i'd say it took me a good five or six hours there were there were some really tough puzzles and that this nice. is one of those games where i cut myself off from the internet i'm like i am not looking for the solution <laughs> to this puzzle i don't care how long i'm chasing this stupid cat around i'm gonna figure it out
2: I really liked the game when it first came out. I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, I actually paid full price for it back in the day. I didn't uh, pirate it, and I, I actually didn't get it when it was on the uh, the sale. But it's, just, it's a lot of fun, and it is a lot of fun to have a, uh, a point-and-click puzzle-type game. And you're right. The Wii is like the absolute, positively perfect place for it because of the interface, because of the way the game system is. Uh, I really like it. I mean, I just think I think everybody should play it when it comes out.
0: All right, from there we're gonna to go to another quirky game, and that is Scribble Knots. We actually got a video for Scribble Knots that gave us a little bit more information about it. Joe, I'll let you go off on that
2: while I play the trailer for the folks in the audience. righty. Well scribble knots is one of those games that help well, I I wanna say redefine mobile gaming. It was innovative. It forced you to do something outside of the normal, uh, which is you had to use your imagination uh, and use words to solve puzzles, uh, to get through a platforming system, and it was just a lot of fun. Well, scribble knots Two essentially super scribble knots is be coming out. Uh, it should be coming out with a, an October eleventh, and they're using more words and expanded vocabulary um, with just different things you can do, um, different adjectives, different different nouns, different different things that people were complaining about weren't in the first game or were looking to do in the first game um, that weren't there. And uh, they're talking about different control schemes using both the stylus and the uh, the control pad. It's just. It's nice it's nice to see that the franchise isn't gone um, I can say that I have a lot of friends that are teachers that they' kids who played this game uh, it even went so far as to increase literacy how awesome is that and it's yeah, very no not very often it's not very often you can say a video game helped with education and this is a perfect case to say well yeah it damn well can and so for, for super scribble knots I personally can't wait. I want to get my hands on it, I want to play with it, and I want to see what weird and wacky words I can pull out of the dictionary and toss in here and see if it happens. Don't forget, this is also the game that had Cthulhu versus God. Just gonna (laughs) throw that out there.
0: It does look like there's some really nice additions to this as well, and changes, refining it to make it better than the first one.
1: Yeah, I, I was so impressed with the first one, just with the sheer size of the library, or not library, dictionary. I Almost anything you could think of that wasn't a swear word was in the game. And even some of the swear words were in the game in creative ways. All right. So let's go from there to,
0: um, Metroid other M. Now this was apparently taken down. You said, Joe, but you got to see some of this voice acting fail.
2: (laughs) Well, I've actually played the game too. So I've gotten to see the fail firsthand. Um, Every time you port a game over from a Japanese or Asian base over to America, there's always going to be some cultural differences, uh, different mannerisms, different phrases, even different stances on the character. Uh, Metroid M is one of those games where these differences are so hilariously uh, obvious that it's just. I mean, it's just it's just fun. Uh, there was a video up on the main site that showed some of this stuff. And uh, for anybody who's played the game will know what I refer to. It's called the infamous thumbs up, th- thumbs down scene. And there's a scene where there's a bunch of people in Samus standing around. And you got they're they're giving their thumbs up. There's these weird anime poses, like the super awesome, like thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. And then they have Samus with this thumbs down, you know. <laughs> and it's like nothing else is explained about it. But then you just launch into the game, and it's just absolutely hysterical. Also, the the, the voice actor that they chose for the game um, was kind of like a chibi, I think would be the best way to put it. So you have like the super Japanese, Hayala! whenever like Samus is doing anything, and it just you can't help but laugh at it and it kind of ruins the game a little bit for me uh because uh, metroid was always one of my uh one of my absolute most fun games ever but this one it's just it's like it's a good game it has interesting controls um it, it but to have that sort of glass shattering voice acting on it is hysterical. Like Samus will be flipping through the air in third person mode, trying to grab onto something's had to, to pile drive it essentially. And you just hear this super anime, you know, little girl voice, uh like in battle sounds. And I just can't help but think of Sailor Moon gone wrong. And it it's just, it's bad. It's awful. I mean, the rest of the game is is kind of interesting. The controls on it are a little bit um, blocky, a little bit difficult sometimes. Uh, it's still a fun game to play, but just that voice acting ruins it so much. It just literally, it's like nails on a chalkboard.
0: All right, let's not waste too much time on this, though. We're going to talk about a couple of uh, releases that are coming up before we actually get into our Witch Hunt Ranting, um, one of them being, I know that Vince, you're excited for this. Is of course Halo Reach is coming out. You were saying that your shop actually had the Legendary Edition. Did you wind up picking it up?
1: Well, I can't get it until tomorrow. And like I was telling Joe, I'm having, I've been having an internal debate with myself for the last several hours over whether or not I want to spend $150 on a video game, and the debate is not going well for my wallet. (laughs) (laughs) I
2: have reminded him that $150 will buy you three games as opposed to one.
0: (laughs) What are you getting extra? I haven't actually checked. What's in the Legendary Edition?
1: All right, so before we get into the actual game, I'll describe the various editions. We have your Standard Edition for $59.99, Game, Box, Instruction Manual. They have the limited edition for $79.99, which comes in a really nice box. I saw the box today. I held the box today. I licked the box today. (laughs) (laughs) He claimed it. (laughs) It comes with an artifact bag with all kinds of nice little lore stuff. You know, the traditional things we've seen in our limited editions. It has a a diary from the uh, doctor who created the Spartans. It has patches and medals and just all kinds of nice little trinkets from the Halo universe. And then it also has exclusive armor for multiplayer. And then we get into the legendary edition at $149.99. This thing comes in this huge huge box and it's you know it's a box modeled after the halo franchise so it's not just a box it's something that fits it comes with everything that was in the limited edition including the exclusive armor adds on an exclusive avatar for yourself online and the flaming helmet mod for any spartan armor you choose to use which while it might look cool that's a nice big Headshot target. It (laughs) It comes with a special two hour behind the scenes that is oddly enough, not in the package. It's actually, you actually access it through the halo waypoint on Xbox live. Interesting. Don't know about, you know, whatever, but the selling point is the statue. The stat, I'm holding my hands out in front of me, trying to show you how big it is. Like an idiot. (laughs) It's a rather large size limited numbered edition McFarlane statue of the entire Noble team and it just looks cool as hell and I want it. And it's $150 I want it <laughs> Is there really any doubt that you're going to get it?
0: Yes, because there's, there's only a- two of them <laughs> <laughs> But you're going to be there in the morning so you can pick it up and then, and then review it for the site That I can <laughs> i'm thinking there's not a lot of doubt i'm thinking it's gonna so, happen
1: so if i review it for your website how much reimbursement will i get well that depends on if you claim it on your taxes as a business expense that's possible <laughs> okay but so you can
0: do and it is awesome
2: <clears throat>
0: let's go from there to dead rising 2 the collector's edition was announced for that and it's got a crap load of stuff in it too actually joe you were looking at
2: that Oh, yeah. Dead Rising is one of those games that I absolutely adored for the Xbox, and Dead Rising 2 is shaping up to be another game that I just really want to sink my teeth into. I mean, hell... Action adventure game paddle saws and zombies. How the hell can you go wrong, right? Well, the collector's edition for Dead Rising 2 was revealed. Uh, it comes in a steel book case, so it's a nice large steel case for the game and all contents within. Um, it comes with the Dead Rising 2 game disc, and it comes with a Blu-ray featuring a high-definition 24-minute making-of feature. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, it also comes with a specialized syringe pen, a prescription pad, a safety card, uh, which is basically how to survive a zombie attack, as well as a per- Prospectus sales brochure. Now, Prospectus is the name of the company that uh, essentially engineered the virus that wound up becoming, you know, the zombies and everything like that. It also comes with a, a hardback art book and a, a voucher for uh, basically a dynamic theme. Uh, for your xbox so it's got a lot packed into a very small feature or a very small package um, and it just it fits the feel of the game too and i think that's awesome and it's got enough cookies in there that i can justify buying a collector's edition of this game
0: <laughs> all right we're not going to waste too much time on that because we do have to touch now on witch hunt before we start on our Lore podcast. So I'm going to start and then basically Joe can keep going during the lore one because there is plenty of ranting to go for this. I played this after I had been told just how bad it was going to be by Joe. He ruined it for me before I even had a chance <laughs> to allow BioWare to ruin it for me. So I did not go in with high expectations. That said, they still let me down. They still, even though I went in feeling this, this was going to be crap, they let me down. It, this is an insult to crap to say that this was crap. This was terrible. So now, just so people know a little bit of what's going on. You bounce in, and you get, immediately you've got a dog with you, okay? Which one would assume is your dog from the first, because you can import in, and I imported in. You can import from your 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 regular Dragon Age origins or your awakenings. Okay, so I imported in my dude. He's got a hound. I have to rename this guy, which makes you think. Mm-hmm. This was just tacked on. This is just an easy party member that they can give you that doesn't require a backstory. It doesn't matter, though, because the other two party members that require backstories have none to speak of. And they're stupid and they're annoying. Their conversations are stupid. You want to gag them so that all you have to listen to is the goddamn dog barking because that's better than this. They're terrible. So first one you get is an elf chick. At Flemeth's hut. Now we're gonna go more into the actual lore and stuff like that of what happens in this during the lore podcast. But just some some rough ideas of what's happening. So you're going to Flemeth's hut, meet up with some chick. She's just I've met sandpaper that's more interesting. It's nothing. She's she's two dimensional. Nothing. She is looking after Morgan as well. Not looking after, looking for Morgan. She's out to get Morgan. She invites herself to your party. So now you got the mutt and the chick, and neither of them are all that interesting. So you head over to the Magi Circle of Tower, Circle of Magic Tower, blah blah blah, whatever. And you're you gotta look. You got to look through books in a library. Okay, now this is an action game, folks. This is—it doesn't get more heart pounding than this when you have Conan to the librarian flip through books in a library. And I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff that gets a librarian's heart rushing in the dead of night. That that kind of oh my god, am I gonna find this book? That's what this is. So you're literally looking through books. In a library. Now they don't, I could lie and say that it is fantastically exciting and that the visuals are great and that they make you look like you're flipping through pages. And not that that would be interesting, but at least it would be better than staring at blocky ass ugly books that don't have any, anything written on the freaking spines. Even there's, you're looking at a jumbled mess of patchwork browns and dark colors and reading titles at the top of the page where you're looking at spell things and whatnot there's now i mean think of it we 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 started a podcast on lore it's not that we don't love lore and i can put up with a lot of stupidity if if the lore is good behind it still i'm forgiven (coughs) excuse me it ain't it ain't. There's no lore here. You're not looking through a library and actually uncovering, you know, anything that means anything. It is the most boring, ass, stupid, goddamn thing that they've put in this game. It. Okay, enough of that. It's bad. It's bad. And meanwhile, you meet up with Yahoo Mage Boy, who gets, who's all uppity about you hurting his freaking books he invites himself to your party as well because apparently he needs something to do he just needs an excuse to get out of there he hasn't had one yet he's coming with you so now you got freaking yappy stupid boy the, the the chick that is is like a plank of wood and you got your stupid dog with you that's not even your dog and he's yeah, barking around but he's not you had to he rename him. yeah no no i didn't forget his name so Anyways, so this is your party. This is it, folks. You are going now on this epic journey with this trio of fucknuts that are supposed to be saving your life. Now, I will give them this, though. They do. If you're a healer, which my mage is a healer, you don't have to do jack shit literally you can stand there in every encounter including the dragon big freaking new dragon Ooh, look at me i'm a dragon and and that's it and you don't have to do nothing i tossed one heel in the entire dlc now let me be clear here i didn't toss it because it needed to be cast i was bored senseless senseless it was unbelievable. You don't have to do anything, nothing. You just, you can stand there and your team will fight everybody. I toss some spells here and there to actually attack, even though I'm a healing mage, just to have something to do. So from there now, you're going back to the freaking deep roads, which are supposed to be epic, are supposed to be you know something that is frightening, and something that is even though you've vanquished, you know the the, the dark spawn. There's still supposed to be some down there. It's <clears throat> man, oh. No, it's not. It's a joke. It's a freaking theme park right now. It's an amusement ride. There's nothing. There's a few people that come out and attack you. You you dispatch of them like nothing. They included a new game mechanic where you got to follow orbs. Oh, let me tell you, if you thought the library was thrilling, following orbs along, thrilling folks, thrilling. You will orgasm at this point because it's something different. (laughs) Finish this off, and it's nothing. You finish that off, and it's a joke. You're done. From there now, you're heading over to, what was it? The the Dragon Bones Wasteland stupid thing? Or do you do the elves first? I think you do the elves first. No, the elves first. Yeah, the elves, oh, pfft thrilling thrilling let me tell you i it was i almost woke up at that point and then you go do the dragon bones thing which is again you don't have to lift a finger just walk along your team will follow you eventually after they've killed everybody in your wake big freaking level orange dude new strider dragon that's supposed to be challenging you know what the most challenging thing was when the game crashed on me partway through that fight and i had to restart it that was like woke me up it was like dude Wow, this is awesome. Let's do that again. And then from there, now that you've done all of this, all of this that took you, what, 45 minutes, maybe a little bit more? It wasn't too damn long. Once you're done all of this thrilling, thrilling stuff, you get to talk to Morrigan for like three minutes. For like three minutes, folks. Literally. Okay. You, You talk to her for a few minutes. That's it. There's no actual... You know, you don't get any answers, first of all. In fact, she just gives you more crap to mull over. Like, Flemeth is your real concern here. No, 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 no. I killed Flemeth. She's dead. I made a freaking handbag out of her. Oh, no, no. She's cheated death more often than you, freaking P. So, okay, what is that? And then everything that you ask her from that point on is, like, She talks in circles. Nothing makes, nothing makes sense. I just, and it was in the cold beds. I just needed this to make sense. I needed it to be something. And you talked to her for a few minutes. And then I decided that I was going to follow through (coughs) in my role playing wherein she was my romantic interest. I mean, I I kind of flirted with Leliana and there was that one night stand with Zev that we don't talk about but other than that it was Morgan all the way and so I thought okay well I'll be all romantic and stuff I ask about the baby find out that oh he's fine but he has no clue what he's going to be and blah 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 there's no answers you find out it was a boy that's it and then I follow her through you go through the portal you don't even know where you're going she doesn't even tell you where you she tells you that you don't we don't know where we're going there's there's no answer here there's no nothing. So you go through the freaking portal and the credits come. And that's it. That's it. That was your $7, folks. That was your $7 that you gave BioWare in the expectation that this would be the 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 chapter, the closing chapter the Dragon Age origin deserved. And this is what you Oh my god, I'm losing my voice, dudes. It's like that's it. That's I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and he's spent
2: <laughs> As he curls up into a ball and you know weeps himself to sleep. Okay, we're actually going to take a break right now. And
0: we're gonna start <laughs> with the lore episode afterwards so that we can actually allow the boys to have a say in this i know that joe has a lot to say oh, um goodness. so but just so that everybody can have a clue of what i thought this was a don't purchase this was a don't purchase even if morgan was your romantic interest and you were heavily involved in the lore of the game it's not a purchase it it, it made me not want to play the game anymore even though i bought leliana as well as the golems at the same time as this. Now I don't feel like playing the game. I know eventually I will want to play them, but it's too, it's that bad that I don't want to play right now. So for the people who are downloading this episode, you're going to want to also download the Bow Down to Us, the lore edition, uh, episode 52, where we're going to continue our rant. And by we, I mean Joe. and uh, And we'll go from there. So you're going to want to check out the site. BowDownToUs.com, we've got a bunch of new reviews and features and everything up there, including a bunch of new comic podcast er, episodes for our podcasts. so make sure to check those out, those are great as well I'm going to be putting it in the show notes and as well, expect some banners on the site as I've been showing the audience, the live audience listening, we now have a couple of stores open for people to buy some products, some t-shirts, some swanky panties, some messenger bags, you name it, there's two stores, one being BowDownToUs.spreadshirt.com and the other one being Café press.com slash bow down to us. Check it out, help support the site. We appreciate every bit of support we can get. is going to talk about uh machinery, machinery. yeah that and (laughs) holy shit man dude i'm like brainless here yeah because you haven't done this before vince oh you mean i have to actually start skype to be on your podcast when did you start that fandangle technology Will it never uh, cease to impress me how it keeps changing?
2: Poor Vince. Poor Vince. Poor total, total noob, Vince. Yeah. Jesus. Total noob fail. Man,
1: you pulled off a Rick. Oh, pulled off a Rick. Oh rack. man. That hurts.
0: Oh, well, as a conservation right, price, these. I can give you these panties. I can buy these panties for you. They don't make them big enough for me dude bow down to us panties at the back come on that's full of wind and the t-shirt for the chicks and the panties for roger i'd wear them yeah. they look comfy
2: you I just gotta keep
0: your man junk at the top just kind of not let it dangled you know how many boxes of freaking kleenex i've gone through jesus i may as well be a 13 <laughs> year old boy It's either see that or buy a spittoon at this point Every time I hork something, up, just... <laughs> but it's not like a regular hork when you're sick. It's a lot more malleable. I don't think it would reach. There wouldn't be enough consistency for it to really get going and make it to a spittoon.
1: Spittoon! Because you really, really wanted the pink panties.
0: Dude! He did. Know, he did.
1: And that was before you played Witch Hunt. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, this just made the sickness worse
0: no you know what made the sickness worse freaking spider-man um, one more moment bullshit, stupidity oh, goddamn <laughs> waste of my freaking time i'll give him this though at least he told me he said don't bother if you can't find it don't bother they're bad anyways so not like i went in thinking oh this is going to be a lot of fun and good i went in knowing this is going to be bad but you know i gotta do it for the freaking podcast don't want to let anybody down and it was. It was bad. It was stupid. Now, it's bad and stupid when you're not medicated out to the wazoo. When you got freaking cold meds, freaking with your brain, and you're reading this stupidity in the what, what is it? Moment in time. One more moment in time. Oh One my. One more moment in time. God, it 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 doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. It, it's just you're like no, no, no. What what no? How no? i find it as a canadian absolutely hilarious though that we're supposed to have this super secret organization that's developing these <laughs> killer assassin soldiers this is canada you know how we solve conflicts we bring you donuts and tim's coffees that's that's how we get by
2: well, oh damn it i want tim hortons you bastard Man. I have not. I figured one of you guys
1: had. Yes, I had yet, yeah, but
0: Vince obviously did.
1: There's a review on the website. Yeah, he doesn't go. visit did the freaking I- website. <laughs> he's, he website barely comics, writes man. for it. For Christ's
0: sakes! Eh, I think. I think okay, I can stop laughing it. at me, you bastard! I'm, I'm not. One
2: laughing day at you, I'm, I'm laughing gonna up.
0: be feeling better, and I'm gonna make fun of you.
2: <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at Hoogs. Oh, okay. Because he just wastes no time, you know, bringing up porn.
0: He has a full life. Everybody, oh, everybody, should have Hoob's life—the
2: ability just
0: to be an absolute bastard to everyone in our lives, and then just watch porn. True. Okay, five-minute break. Oh my god,
2: Whew, that was tiring. Right, I'll, be right. <laughs> I'll be right back. I'm gonna go get some more water so I can make sure my throat's less <laughs> really so complicated for this one. That's actually Roger rubbing the mic on his balls. Think she's ugly, she's always depressed. She
1: can go out and buy herself a new dress.